Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. We're continuing on in our overview of Paul's letter to the Romans. We've come down to chapter 10 and have read through some of the verses in chapter 10 together. And we've talked about how uh, salvation comes as a result, not simply of confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but through faith, through believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. This makes evangelism, Paul says, of the utmost importance, because how then, he he writes, will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ in verse 17. Now in chapter 11, Paul says that God has not rejected his people Israel completely. Through their rejection, their partial rejection, salvation has come to the Gentiles in order to make Israel jealous, in verse 11. He uses the image of an olive tree here, uh, with some branches broken off and others grafted in. In this picture, Israel is the tree, God's people. Some of Israel, the unbelieving branches, are broken off, and other branches from a wild olive shoot are grafted in. These would be Gentiles who come to faith in Christ. We, and I'm speaking now as a Gentile, we become a part of the family of God through faith in Christ. But as for Israel itself, nationally, Paul says, There is a partial hardening that has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, in verse 25. This means that there is a future restoration planned for the nation of Israel when one day they will all be saved, in verse 26. Now, all in this verse does not mean every Jew who has ever lived. It means all those who turn to Christ in the last day, during the end times. And I I take this to be at the end of the tribulation period, when Christ returns to deliver his people. All Israel that is alive and remaining, who has not taken uh, the mark of the beast that's spoken about in the book of Revelation, will turn to Jesus as their Messiah in that day. Paul concludes chapter 11 with a great doxology in verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Now, in chapters 12 through 16, uh, the rest of the book, 
Paul is going to turn to how believers should live. The first 11 chapters really have talked about uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, how we come to faith in Christ, and now how we should live is discussed in chapters 12 through 16 here. He begins by urging believers to present their bodies as living sacrifices to God, which is our spiritual act of worship, he says in verse 1 of chapter 12. We are not to conform to the image of this world, but should be transformed by renewing of our minds so that we can discern what God's will is. In verses 3 through 8, Paul writes about spiritual gifts. He uses the image of the body again, just as he had in 1 Corinthians, where one body has many parts. The many parts of the body of Christ have diverse gifts, which he lists in verses 6 through 8. In verses 9 through 21, Paul lists several marks of true believers in Jesus Christ. They should be characterized by love for one another, by service, by joy, patience, and prayer, as well as generosity, in verses 9 through 13. In contrast to the world, we are not to seek revenge or to repay evil for evil, but should overcome evil with good and let God worry about repaying evil. In chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, Paul writes that believers should be submissive to the authorities that God has put into place. They are God's servants for our good, even when we don't like them, or when we don't think we should, uh, uh, or they don't do exactly what they we think they should do. He even tells us to pay taxes and give what is owed to our rulers, since God has ultimately appointed them to their positions. Verses 8 through 14 show that we should love our neighbors, which fulfills the commandments of the law. We are to live as those who are awake, not walking as the rest of the world does in verse 13, but putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, making no provision for the flesh in verse 14. So we move into chapter 14. In the first 12 verses, Paul encourages believers in Christ not to quarrel over opinions. There should be charity toward one another in areas where there is not clear direction from the Lord. The point here is that we should not judge one another, but live our lives for the glory of the Lord. We will all stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account of ourselves to God in verses 10 through 12. This is the same type of imagery that Paul has used in 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Verses 13 through 23 show Paul in similar vein to what he had written earlier to the Corinthians, telling the Romans not to cause anyone to stumble, stumble through their liberty, particularly in eating of clean or unclean foods. If you look at uh, chapter 14 and verses 20 and 21, we read there, Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. He goes on to say, in areas of conscience, if we have doubts, we should not take the action that we are doubting about, because whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. 
and verse 23. In chapter 15, in verses 1 through 7, the example of Christ is given, who did not please himself, but lived ultimately for the sake of others. We must endure with one another then. He says the Old Testament scriptures were written for our benefit to give us hope in verse 4. So we should try to live in harmony with one another and to glorify God with one voice. Christ became a servant to confirm the promises that were given to the patriarchs in verse 8 so that the Gentiles might be included in glorifying God for his mercy, Paul says in verse 9. Now, in chapter 15 and verses 14 through 33, Paul goes on to talk about his own role in sharing the gospel across the Mediterranean world, which God has given him to do, and in which he would be proud of the work that the Spirit of God was doing through him. Uh, remember in 2 Corinthians, we heard Paul saying that he would not boast in any of the things that he could perhaps rightly boast of, but only in his weakness. And here he says he only wants to uh, be proud of the things that the Spirit of God is doing within him and through him in the churches. He then talked about his plans to visit Rome on his way to Spain. Now, we, don't, we haven't come across this in the book of Acts in our reading yet, uh, but we have come across the uh, intention of Paul, as expressed in some of his other letters, to go to Jerusalem and take a financial gift to them, uh, as we see here in verse 25. So Paul's plan at this point was that he would travel back to Jerusalem, then make a trip all the way to Spain, stopping at Rome and visiting with the church there along the way. This is expressed in, in verse 28 here. There may be a hint in verses 30 through 33 of, of Romans 15 that Paul knew something was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He asks the church at Rome to pray for him that he might be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea in verse 31. And we will see as we continue on with our study of Acts, when Paul goes back to Jerusalem and goes up to the temple, uh, he is... Uh, accused by the Jews there, and they take him, and they are going to or, or intend to stone him. And as a result of that event, he is put into prison for several years. Eventually, that imprisonment will take him to Rome, but his plans uh, at this point were not necessarily that he would have to go into prison, although verse 31 may hint that he had an inkling that something might be going on in Judea. Well, this brings us down to the last chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. This final chapter sees Paul giving greetings from the believers at Corinth to the believers at Rome. So he first commends Phoebe to them, who interestingly is called a diakonos here of the church at Sancria. 
she may have been uh, in some kind of a leadership position at the church in Sencria, uh, or this term from which we get our term servant, our, our word servant, diakonos simply means servant, might be uh, a little more generic here that she was uh, had a servant's heart, a servant's disposition, or a servant's mentality uh, toward the church in Sincrea. Uh, Phoebe would have been the bearer of the letter, so she must have had some kind of a uh, higher position in society around the city of Corinth and Sincrea. Paul greets Prisca, or Priscilla, and Aquila, who are now back in Rome, and then another, a number of others of whom we have very little information in verses 3 through 16. This section does show that Paul's heart uh, is really concerned for individuals. He cares for people, not just numbers of converts to the gospel. And the list of personal names and in Paul's individual messages to those people here is very touching, very heartwarming. In verses 17 through 24, Paul gives a warning uh, to the Roman church to watch out for those who cause divisions and teach other doctrines who do not serve Christ but ultimately serve themselves. He then gives his greeting from his close group, his entourage in Corinth, which includes, as listed here, Timothy, Lucius, Jason, uh, Sosipater, uh, Tertius, uh, who would have been the writer of the letter of Romans, the amanuensis, so Paul would have spoken it, dictated it, and Tertius would have been the one to write it out. Gaius and Erastus, Gaius was the one that Paul would probably have been staying with in Corinth. Erastus was the treasurer of whom we have a uh, stone in the city of Corinth commemorating his name and Quartus. Paul concludes the letter to the Romans with this doxology, and I'll read it here, Romans 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu.